What's up, everybody? Before we get the podcast started, just wanted to remind you that we have merch for sale, official podcast merch. You can go to the link in the description of this very podcast and go to our Teespring account and get a shirt, two coffee mugs, and a COVID-19 custom mask with our logo on it, because why not milk this pandemic for all it's worth financially? So uh, again, the description to our merch is in the description of this podcast. On to the show. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 202 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. My name is Josh Canyon, and I'm here with Mick Brahan. How you doing, Mick? <laughs> uh, I'm doing fine, but I, I, I don't know who Mick is. I don't, you know. Your Irish cousin. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, I'm doing fine. I'm doing all right. Uh, I'm a little bit... Uh, I don't know if I'm under the weather or just like tired or just dealing with some kind of uh, Corona exhaustion or something. I don't know. I've just been the past couple of days. I've just been a little bit uh, uh, lethargic. <laughs> um, finally got the Rona. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't. I, I can still taste things. Oh, uh, OK. Fine. That's, that's, so... that's a big one, man. When that. <laughs> When I got the coronavirus and um, the taste and smell went away, that's when I that's when I kind of knew that like, oh yeah, this is definitely when you couldn't smell your own farts anymore, right? You know, my that's very when you're like yeah, metallic <laughs> smelling. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I off air. I never mind. I don't. I don't want to goddamn go. I don't want to go that lowbrow with our our shit. I mean, it's pretty. It's pretty fucking lowbrow already. Um. <laughs> But People y- can read between the lines. Yeah, probably so. But um, um yeah. but yeah, I, eh, I don't know exactly. I think a part of it might be because um, there might be like tree pollen in the air or something that's fucking with me. I don't know, but like I just I do. I just feel kind of and I, and I, I've gotten enough sleep, so it's just one of those things. It's just like, what is going on? I'm I'm monitoring it, you know. Uh, it hasn't gotten any worse, so I'm ju- I'm just monitoring things right now. Though, like if I start to like not, you know, be able to taste things and stuff, then I'll be like, oh, all right, I guess I should probably go in and get a test. <laughs> but um, I'm I'm not really to that point yet, because I just had Burgerville and like a root beer float today, and I could taste everything. But the root beer float was really good. That was delicious. Um. Part of it, I think, just might be either getting older, you know, and working really hard and, you know, maybe don't have the best diet, not getting a lot of exercise. So I think that's another part of it. Um, and all the fucking mask wearing, you know, dude, extra, you, you honestly, stress, uh, Stephanie, when she worked at Target, 
uh, when she had to get a temporary job or whatever, uh, she had to wear that mask all the time. And she she felt the same way now that you mention it. She felt very lethargic and uh, tired and worn down. And, and she she honestly feels like it was because she was, had to spend, you know, seven to eight hours breathing, breathing in your own um, CO2, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, there, there's I think there's something. I think there's definitely something to that. I'm not saying that you shouldn't wear a mask, blah, blah, blah. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I would say things are definitely better, uh, you know, uh, with the masks than without. That's for sure. So how about that presidential debate, Mike? What do you think? Oh, about yeah. That? I was going to mention that, too. I was like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> Jesus. that was... I mean, it seems like that was even more of a contentious, like, like uh, mudslinging event than... Uh, any other presidential debate in in the history of presidential debates yeah it was even worse than any of the hillary clinton ones i think with trump because i mean i I think i've seen some clips and there's like a point where you're like is this a parody is this an snl sketch like (laughs) you're like this this is real it's speaking of snl they're coming back and uh jim carrey is going to be playing biden apparently i i don't put anything past jim carrey as far as what he can pull off Oh, he could pull that off for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, dude. That 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 debate because like I was looking forward to watching it because I I just wanted to see what four years of um you know uh, president uh, president version of Trump would be like versus before he won the election mm-hmm. with Hillary Clinton because you know he was doing he was still kind of a jackass but he hadn't won yet so he couldn't be you know like i'm the man but i think with this Mm -hmm. this series of debates i think he went in there like i've already been president i you know i've already been all up in the news i've gotten all the publicity fuck you and anything that i say that's that's bad is just going to be publicity free publicity for me yeah it's going to build my image up it's not like anybody are it's not like any american is just finding out that i'm a jackass you know Mm -hmm. none of this is new even the Trump supporters are like, yeah, I don't really like his personality that much, but I like the job he's doing. You know, I don't. You don't see the only Trump supporters I've met that love everything about Donald Trump are people who tend to be, you know, like the people who who love him even down to like his personality and the shit that he said. They're they're people who tend to be like they're they're either want to be alpha males or they have that like macho meathead alpha male kind of personality. Uh-huh. You know. And it's like, yeah, you like his personality because that's probably how you're going to be when you're 70 years old. Just this jackass who's like disrespectful and, you know, doesn't play by the rules as far. I mean, it's one thing to be like, okay, he doesn't play by the rules with uh, making policy and this, that and the other. But it's another thing when you're trying to have a debate in front of the American people so they can see what position you take versus what position the other person takes. And for you to just ignore every single rule and practice that's put into place that literally every other president has respected except you you think you're the exception to the rule yeah like fuck you man like that this guy's a complete narcissist and i'm not even saying like this is probably a sociopath too. yeah i'm not even like i'm not even saying like i'm against trump as far as like a president like i don't know i mean as uh, he he's the four years as he's been president seems like the economy has been doing all right i mean i'm not here to like argue like policy or anything like that but i'm just saying as a person as a human being uh i think he's a jackass i think that uh biden was going in there thinking he was gonna have like it was gonna be like a semi you know 
cordial debate. Well, no, but if you watch some clips, Biden also was, you know, breaking, you know, rules. He had and, to. You know, resorting to, you know, pot shots, too. Yeah, he, so. he, he literally had to because Trump, Trump was like, do, like, he was interrupting constantly. He wouldn't let him get uh. a word in. And I, you could just see Biden getting uh, pissed off. Like any, I would say the best thing about this debate is the Weird Al. Uh, <laughs> I saw that the song that he did. I saw that this morning. I was like, "What?" Like I, I was Weird Al. I love how he does that. He'll just he'll just like shadow drop this stuff out of nowhere, and it's like, "Where did this come from?" And yeah, that that was pretty fucking hilarious, man. Weird Al still got the goods after all these. There's years. a remix of like some of the quotes from uh, the uh, debate, and then just basically saying, you know, who's it going to be? You know, in the West Wing. Um, it was a catchy song. It was a catchy tune. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, anyway, this is a a podcast about Unsolved Mysteries. Um, make sure I don't... And we actually have two Unsolved Mysteries cases. Yeah, so go fucking figure. Week. Go figure. <laughs> Who would have thought? I guess it was podcast day yesterday. Oh, my God podcast day what is it like literally <laughs> literally what does that even mean what am i, I what know. am i supposed to do go it's like some of those other holidays like cheese national cheese day or whatever if that even is a thing it probably is like what is the <laughs> i just don't understand the purpose like what are you supposed to do on national podcast day go out and like subscribe to a podcaster's patreon or something in honor of <laughs> You know, national like like if you know someone who give who does a podcast, you're supposed to like blow them or something. Like I, I don't get. Do you get free uh, merch from podcasters uh, on podcast? Sure, shit ain't getting free merch from. Uh, I don't have merch. <laughs> I don't have merch to give out or or exclusive merch. You know, podcast day merch. No, it's 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 probably not really much anything. I just saw people talking about it on on the group, so. I was like, oh, cool, I guess. <laughs> Not going to do anything for us one way or the other. Doesn't seem like anything that we do moves the needle at all for us. It's like we kind of have the audience we have, and then that's, that's just kind of how it is. It doesn't, we haven't gotten any bigger. We haven't gotten any smaller. We're just kind of right at the same point we've been for the past few years. And I know it's because we refuse to get right to the cases at the beginning, well, beginning yeah, of the episode. Yeah, but I also, I also feel we have gotten a little bit farther than from where we started. <clears throat> Like not a whole like crazy amount. No, we haven't. We we came in strong, and and in like a year's time, we built uh, a, a pretty good following. And then yeah. by the second year, I think uh, it was. You well, know, I mean that's what that's what I'm talking about in comparison. But then it just kind of stayed. Like first, it just kind of stayed. The at first the level. few podcasts that we did that we, we that we did. Yeah, but I I read we I read somewhere that um. By virtue of like the amount of listeners we have, uh, we're we're in like the ten percentile of uh, podcaster because apparently like oh whatever no apparently <laughs> if you have over like a thousand listeners per week you're you're like literally in the ten percent because that's how many people have podcasts like yeah I know there's so many people have podcasts that like that it, it's like YouTube it's like you know with YouTube views and like how many you know. Uh, views you get with your videos and stuff it's the same sort of thing because there's just so many people who are making youtube videos yeah uh just like there's so many people who are doing podcasts uh anyway uh let's start actually talking about some unsolved mysteries cases so the first one is my pick uh, for this week it's Kristen motaferi this is from season 11 
Uh, 18-year-old Kristen Modafferi was a college honor student from North Carolina spending her summer in San Francisco. On Monday, June the 23rd of 1997, she arrived for work at the Crocker Galleria Mall. She had taken a job at a coffee shop to pay for a photography course at UC Berkeley. Griffin Cherry was her close friend. What a name. Like, really? I, I, I don't know. It's just such a unique name in terms of the combination of, of, you know, first and last name. Sounds made up. He says uh, she wanted to come to the big city and find some excitement, but it seemed to be coupled with a naivete, not a real understanding of how the big city works. Uh, how does the big city really yeah, work? Yeah, what does that statement even mean? Like, you, you you went out to the big city looking for excitement, but you went with naivete. Cause you I mean, the, uh, like, like did she just walk around naked downtown in, in front of, like, <laughs> well, well, that's how we do it in my small town of North Carolina, like. You know, I did that. We can do that there. Oh, you can't do that in the city. You, I guess maybe the naivete is like trusting people, you know, strangers, you know, yeah. taking risks that, you know, you might have been able to get away with in a small town, but in the city, it's a completely different scenario. Um, at the end of her shift, Kristen uh, left the coffee shop and was never seen again. From the start, authorities were frustrated by intriguing clues that went nowhere in a trail that led directly into the ocean. Literally. A blood yeah, a bloodhound really. uh, sniffed her track out to uh, Land's End Beach. Yeah, and of course, you know, the parents and other people involved are like, there's no way that, you know, she would have died that way or fell in the ocean because it's a very popular place and people would have seen... You know, that somebody would have fallen in. Um, so we'll get to that in a little more detail later on. So, the day after Kristen van- vanished, her parents flew immediately to San Francisco. Kristen's uh, father, Bob Motoferi, when we found out that she had disappeared, we were just shocked. We couldn't eat. We barely spoke. We were just even having trouble breathing. Uh, Kristen's mother, Debbie Motoferi, was determined to find her daughter. When you are faced with a situation like this, you really don't know how strong you can be. You either crawl in a hole and die and give up, or you can fight. And there was no choice for us. We're going to fight for our daughter. I don't know about, like, the extreme of crawling in a hole and dying. Mm, <laughs> when this kind of I don't know. Happens. If it's your kid, I, I, I guess. I mean, I'm thinking... No, I mean, in terms of just, like, as soon as that happens, all right, I'm going to die now. <laughs> you know, yeah. that kind of... <laughs> I think she was uh, I mean, using a little bit of hyperbole there. Yeah, maybe like die inside, possibly, because that's how some people, you know, deal with it. It's just like just collapse. I, I like how you're literally going um actually to this grieving mother right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm an asshole. I apologize. Neckbeard of you, Mike. <laughs> Very neckbeard of you. <laughs> so, as in missing persons cases, police have few leads to work with. One of the first pieces of the puzzle was identifying a blonde woman seen with Kristen the day she disappeared. 45 minutes after Kristen's shift ended, a man who worked with her noticed them at the mall together. Officer Patrick Mahanahay of the Oakland Police Department learned that this was out of character for Kristen. He thought that uh, that was kind of strange because she never really stuck around after work. As soon as she checked out, she would be gone. Kristen's father was determined to find the identity of the blonde woman. 
they were hanging out together, talking together, definitely with each other. So we may, we've made a lot of an effort to try to get the blonde woman to come forward, identify herself. We appealed a number of times through the media, but we never got a response. Probably because if this blonde woman was involved in her disappearance, she's not going to come forward. Second, it's incredibly vague, you know? Hey, a uh, blonde lady that uh, was with our, we think would, was with our daughter uh, when she left work on this date. Uh, if you're one of the, if you're the blonde lady, can you, uh, talk to us and, you know, da, 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 da. Uh, I, I mean, I understand why they went, you know, the route that they did, but I think that's the kind of stuff that probably the police would probably put a bulletin out anyway, wouldn't they? For that kind of thing? Yeah, I would, I would think so. But apparently, uh, the media, uh, influence or the attempt to try to get, uh, the blonde woman to come forward through the media didn't work either. Police used a bloodhound, like uh, Josh mentioned, to try to retrace Kristen's route uh, the day that she had vanished. The dog immediately located her trail, but police weren't sure if it was a route Kristen took the day she disappeared or some other day. The dog then led them to Gary Street, heading towards Land's End Beach. Kristen's co-workers had said on the day that she had vanished, she talked about visiting Land's End Beach. Officer Patrick Mahanahe followed the bloodhound to the trail's end. We got down to the beach area and came to a point where the trail seemed to have stopped. That's a very treacherous part of the San Francisco waterline. Numerous people each year are washed off the rocks and are never seen again. So it was a distinct possibility that she had, in fact, fallen into the ocean. But, like, this whole thing that's so super, super dangerous over here, it doesn't look like there's enough of, like, a, a barrier or some kind of thing to block people from, like, being dumb and, you know, taking a selfie and then getting washed off the rocks. Yeah, I mean, even in, you know, museums or, like, exhibits that are, like, outside where, like, say a certain thing happened, like a shooting or or, Mm -hmm. or some popular or, or notorious horrific thing went down. Even in a non-dangerous situation like that that's, like, touristy, they'll have a barrier that keeps you, like, 100 yards away from where the thing... Like, Stonehenge, for instance, like, there's this, this like, barrier where you can't even get anywhere near the Stonehenge. So, yeah, it would be weird that if that Land's End beach is so touristy and those rocks are so treacherous, I mean, yeah, why isn't there any kind of, like, barrier... I think there's like a uh, uh, a concrete kind of wall, but like there isn't like an extra barrier to prevent people from hanging off the concrete wall or, you know, doing, you know, whatever. I mean, people are dumb, though, sometimes. Yeah. I mean, if let's be really honest. Wanna... Think about the people who have like fallen into the Grand Canyon or, or died, you know, taking photos or not following, you know, literally breaking the rules by like deliberately climbing over the fence or, or the metal barrier and then, you know, falling to their death. Yeah. I mean, to a certain like extent, I I can see on some occasions doing that because you know, sometimes it's just a little ridiculous with like all the restrictions of like, oh, yeah, for you know, sure. you have to stand a hundred feet. It's like, that's stupid. Like, why? You know? Uh, but yeah, and this, this, well, instance, they don't want people to pull a Clark, Clark uh, Griswold and like just, you know, destroy Stonehenge. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or a uh, <laughs> Kurt McFall. Yeah. Which is so, yeah. 
Kristen's uh, father, Bob, doubts this theory. We really don't believe that happened to Kristen. It's a, it's a very tourist-oriented area. There's always people around. If she had fallen into the water, somebody would have seen something. Not if they were, like, really busy looking at something else or just, you know, doing a lot of things that tourists do, just doing their own thing. Why, why are you going to assume that they're, you know, especially if it happens so quickly? Like, it could have happened in, like, a matter of, like, 30, 45 seconds. They just be like, you know, getting ready to take a photo, and then boom, water just washes her away, and then nobody, you know, could have seen it. Uh, but if Kristen didn't drown, what happened to her? Seventeen days after she vanished, a man called a local news station and claimed that Kristen had been murdered. A uh, Bill McGee, uh, the assignment editor of KGO TV, received the call. He went into a very long description of who he said killed her, and he told me that there were two women. And he named them. He said that Kristen uh, had been uh, killed as a result of a lesbian love affair that went wrong. Uh, and forgive me for continuously uh, pronouncing the name wrong. Uh, this is a name that, you know, I've heard different pronunciations. Kristen, Kirsten, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so detectives uh, tracked down the two women named by the caller, but determined they did not know Kristen and had nothing to do with her disappearance. The police asked if the women knew anyone who might hold a grudge against them and falsely implicate them in the case. Both women named the same person, a man named Ryan. Now, Ryan was actually interviewed, and he uh, asked for the creepy uh, treatment where, you know, put them all in shadow and, and uh, modulate his voice. Dude, as a kid, I literally thought those were demons that they were interviewing. <laughs> yeah. They said scared the shit out of me. It was like... Well, I don't know why she would have said that that was me. And I'd be like, ah, why is he all black? And with that <laughs> deep ass, scary demon voice shit. Like, I, I, I didn't under, I didn't get it as a kid. I don't know why. Yeah. Like, my brain couldn't put that together. Those two, like. You're not the only one. Yeah. I mean, a lot of kids probably, as soon as they heard, like, you know, saw that and then saw, well, you know, uh, I, I don't, I, I, uh, you know, it's just one of those things, it's it's so unnatural. And also just the fact that you don't see anyone's face. Because mm -hmm. a lot, we are very, uh, I, I don't know if facial orientated is the right word, but, I think visual. you know, in terms of visual, visual, in terms of communicating with people and, and, and relating to somebody as human, a lot of that has to do with, you know, eye contact. Right. And if you can't have eye contact and it's just, this shadow, you know, with a what really does sound like a demon voice. Then <laughs> it's that is it honestly is pretty creepy. This guy to me, if if he didn't do it, he had something to do with it. Think so? I really do believe that. There's a lot of things like there's pages missing from his diary. Why are they missing? If he's so innocent. Yeah, but I mean, he went on the show. I that that hey, is. There's been other people who've been on the show and were guilty as fuck. Hey, you get off of my cloud. Yeah, I know, I know there have been, but I it just gives it it it. it uh, I I get a lot more respect for someone if they like go on the show and they actually talk about, um, you know, everything. And he was like, 
I made the call. It was a stupid decision. I wish I mm-hmm. never made it. Like, I just wish I could. I don't know. To me, he just came off sincere. But um, then again, like, but yeah, the page is missing out of his ex-girlfriend's diary on the uh, around the time that Kristen went missing and him saying, you know, that could that could, uh, you know, implicate me in, in her mm-hmm. death somehow. It, yeah, but, but that's, you know, that's what she said. You know, there's no, that's like circumstantial. There's no, yeah, there's no I mean, there's no hard evidence, but he does seem at least fishy to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, but again, like, I don't know, like him coming on the show and being like, you know, I regret, you know, doing that. I shouldn't have never made those phone calls. And then, too, it's like, what kind of person does that? Like, he said he made those phone calls to get back at this girlfriend of his. Uh, who he told he told her he was leaving San Francisco and her yeah. and and he just wasn't interested in her anymore and she apparently got really pissed off and started like I guess calling where he worked and fucking with him so to get back at her he does this but to get back at an ex by calling a a news station and giving a tip saying that yeah. oh you know that missing Kristen girl yeah well she was uh killed by this ex you know my ex-girlfriend it was a lesbian love affair gone wrong like what kind of it's like what do you think is gonna happen i mean yes the cops are gonna harass for a little bit the woman who's named but like Mm -hmm. i don't know i just i feel like that would eventually that that would backfire it was a stupid move it was very stupid that you absolutely go through all that trouble to do that Yes, um, at the at, at at the very least, this guy is a dope. It, 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 yeah, he's a dope or he's a jerk. He's a jerk off. Um, but anyway, um, so you have the clue with the diary. There's the other thing that apparently he was dating a woman who might have matched the description of the blonde lady. So that's another thing that you know could be a potential connection. Um. So yeah, Ryan told police the two women were his girlfriend and girlfriend's employers, and that they had been harassing his girlfriend at work. He said he phoned in the false tip tip in an effort to get back at them, but the police suspected there was more to Ryan's story. Upon investigation, they found allegations that he had abused women in the past. So yeah, he's not only a jerk off, like he's an abusive piece of shit. Uh, their next move was to see if he had any connections to Chris, uh, Kristen. Police learned that Ryan met women mostly through personal ads. Earlier, they had found an ad in Kristen's apartment that they think she might have placed. Uh, Bob says, if you read it, it sounds like it could be uh, Kristen. It's all the kind of things she was interested in, like photography, walking the city, music. It was all the kind of things that Kristen was there to do. Although, to be honest, it sounds like, why go to a big city like San Francisco, just for photography, walking around the city and music. Uh, San Francisco's big for yeah. I mean, it's beautiful. It's yeah. it's got a music scene. It's it's kind of you know it's in California where which is kind of the music capital of the world. Uh, photography. I mean, with all the beautiful scenery, you got a lot of that. I mean, I don't know. It makes perfect sense to me why she yeah. went. And it's probably cheaper than Los Angeles to a certain degree. Oh yeah, for sure. But I mean, if you're interested in those kind of things, like, can't you find those specific kind of options, like somewhere in North Carolina? Mike, why are you being her nagging boyfriend right now? <laughs> I don't even know why you have to go to San Francisco. Can't you find something in North Carolina closer to me? 
Because <laughs> you just don't get it. <laughs> I'm just trying to play devil's advocate. That's all I'm doing here. I I, I, uh, I guess I guess the reason why I understand her so much is because I want to get the fuck out of Jacksonville, and I'd love to. Yeah. I would love to live in San Francisco. Yeah. That would be fucking amazing. Like I know I would. I know I would love it. Um, there's just no fucking way I can move anywhere in California yeah. right now. Which, by the way, just putting my feelers out on the podcast right now, uh, me and Stephanie want to move to L.A. I know it sounds ridiculous and unattainable, but if, if any of our listeners out there live in California, any, anywhere, any place, and you have some cheap rental, and you just want to be a, a real mensch and let us like live there, that'd be like really cool and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you could listen to us through the podcast. But yeah, hit me up. Uh, Let your boy know. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, another clue was found at the home of Ryan's girlfriend. Her diary was missing several pages, covering the same period that uh, Kristen had been in San Francisco. She told police that Ryan had torn out the pages. Detective Patrick Mahanahay found this unusual. We asked her, why is this diary the way it is? She said that some of the stuff that was in there could come back to hurt Ryan. Still, police say they have no clear evidence that Ryan was involved in uh, Kristen's disappearance. Uh, Ryan claims that he has passed a polygraph test given by a reputable expert. Here's the thing. Doesn't matter if you pass a polygraph test given by a reputable expert. Reputable. Polygraph tech. Reputable. Uh, Polygraphs are not... uh, really that reliable or uh reputable there we go (laughs) reputable (laughs) he's quoted here he says i never met kristen i never saw her there's absolutely no connection to kristen and and i in any way and what i did was wrong i wish i never made that call Police have completely cleared Ryan as a suspect with no new leads. The case is now back at square one. And I guess there was a search of the home where uh, uh, Kristen briefly lived, revealed the presence of human remains on the property. It is too early to know if they belong to Kristen. We will bring you more information as this story develops. I like how they still kept that part about it. Still, it's too early to know if they're her remains. They found it in 2007. It was a 2015, uh, cadaver dogs indicated that human remains were present in the basement of Kristen's house in Oakland, California. In 2017, it was announced that blood was found in there. DNA testing seemed to indicate it belonged to her as it partially matched her parents. However, more tests will be done before this can be confirmed. Private investigators hired by her family believe she was most likely killed in the basement and her body transported elsewhere. However, this has it has not not yet been located. Huh. Interesting. So she was murdered. So 2017. This has been three. You would think that they would have figured it out by now. I mean, what drove me fucking crazy is two different cases on unsolved mysteries where they did that. Oh, we'll let you know the results later. And then they never let us know. The first one was Skunk Ape. <laughs> yeah. Where they said yeah. they found that hair. The hair. Like yeah. on branches that were too high for any animal to uh, leave hair on. And they tested the hair. And they said so far it is not of a synthetic nature. But they don't know what animal it came from. And they'd bring us more results. Or they'd bring us an update as more results came in. 
And then you never heard another thing about it. And then the second one that they did that on that drove me nuts was the uh, Crop Circles episode. They actually did an experiment where they had a um, little like RV that was set up over this on this hill that overlooked uh, the field where crop circles were being uh, found. And they monitored it for uh, like a week. And there were 10 crop circles that appeared that they got on film. They said like three or four were fakes, but the others appeared to be the real deal. They said the, st- the tape is still being analyzed and they would bring us the results when the an- analysis is complete. And that never yeah. happened. And I'm like, dude, what the fuck? You say, you ju- you, you're going to sit here and tell me that you have like four or five or six uh, crop circles that appear to be like genuine. And you're going to sit there and say, and you have it on tape to boot and you're going to be like, oh, we're, we're going to, you know, give you an update. And then they never fucking give you an update. That's that's maddening. Yeah, for sure. sure you could look it up now online somehow. So I guess that's all we have to say about Kristen. Yeah. What do you think? I, I definitely feel she was murdered. I don't think she fell off uh, into the ocean. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's kind of one of those things where. The most likely scenario is the one that's probably true, and that's she probably got murdered. And maybe that guy had something to do with it. Maybe it was some. Maybe not. Maybe it was some random. You know how many times we've covered cases on here where it's just so, some random thrill yeah, kill. Yeah, it, yeah, literally, like it. It looks like this one guy did it, and it looks like he's you know suspicious. And then they find the person's remains, and then they find the real killer. And yeah, it was just a random killing, random killing and raping or whatever, you know? I mean, that shit happens all the time. Yep. So. All right, next we're moving on to the case of Bugsy Siegel. This was a request by our social media guru, Helen. Um, Thank you, Helen, by the way, for running our socials. You're doing a great job. I notice all the time when you're posting, so keep it up. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at, um, it's the little at symbol, at uncovering um and on instagram we are uh uncovering unexplained mysteries obviously uh so anyway this is a case of bugsy siegel uh benjamin bugsy siegel was born in brooklyn where he became a hood graduating later to the mafia he was known for being especially violent after he was injured in a bombing he sneaked out of the hospital and he had his his associates drive him to the suspect's home he then shot the suspect and was returned to the hospital without anyone else knowing. So Bugsy w- uh, sounds like a badass. Um, I mean, definitely. Yeah, I mean that's why the gangsters are so uh, kind of revered now, especially in like the hip hop community, because they were like the original badasses who were living outside of the law. And I guess in the hip hop culture and community, that's kind of the modus operandi of. A lot of the rappers and rap music out there. I would say as cool as Bugsy Siegel seems to be, this segment, it was just just all right. I thought it was a little disappointing because other than the reenactment of his death, uh, there w- there really wasn't a lot of meat on the bone for the case itself. And I think a big part of it is due to the mafia involvement and all this other stuff that, you know, there really wasn't a whole lot of people that really 
knew for sure what was going on. There really wasn't a whole lot of uh, people who were going to talk. Even the police guy, the the in- inspector uh, or detective from like Beverly Hills, like even he was like super defeated when he was talking about the case on camera. Well, Mike just ruined the whole segment, so there's no point in me talking about. It. All right, guys, have a good night. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> it's like i'm trying to build a story here and mike goes oh no it just kind of sucks this is all stuff that happened and you know basically this is the cliff note version and all right moving on <laughs> it's like i'm trying to build a lego thing and you just come in you're like yeah it's pretty much sucks we just knock it over <laughs> fuck that sucks so anyway um you know, sneaking out of the hospital, shooting people, going back to hospitals, got a perfect alibi. He formed a partnership with Meyer Lansky, an organized crime syndicate that sold liquor during Prohibition. The syndicate later became involved in gambling, prostitution, and murder for hire. In- the Prohibition was such a disaster. Like, it did not it did not do anything. Like It, it just gave the mob even more power. Well, I mean, it's just it was such a failure that they they just they eventually stopped it because of the fact that the mob just got twice as powerful because of the prohibition. It's just like uh, with anything you make illegal, you you still have a market for it. Marijuana, that is the stupidest drug that is still illegal yep. in a lot of places. Yep, there's still these dealers who deal in marijuana. Where I mean, hell, if you just because I. Uh, my mom likes to watch this show called Border Patrol, which is which it's a show that uh, takes place in Canada and and you know have all these people who go around and work at like the airport or, or Border Patrol in Canada and and investigate and check things to see what's you know kind of drugs are being uh, smuggled in. There's another one which is another border one which is between the border between the U.S. and Mexico. And that there's just a lot of the drugs that these people find in the border are is it marijuana, and you know of course there's cocaine. There's a few others like meth and so on and so forth. But like a lot of episodes I watch, it's like we got this big bust of marijuana, Ooh. and it's like, and it's like all right, oh no, but marijuana it, people are gonna smoke and become mellow and and become introspective. God forbid. I mean, if there is any case to make about, like, which drug is worse, marijuana or alcohol, it is so clearly alcohol. Alcohol. Oh, yeah. And this is coming from someone who loves alcohol. Drinks alcohol. And and does not like (laughs) marijuana. I am not a fan of weed at all. I won't smoke it. I don't like it. Every time I do it, I have a bad... Makes me paranoid. Yeah, it makes me paranoid. I have a bad experience. I don't care what fucking strain. I can handle a little bit of CBD, but I don't really like doing any of that shit. Uh, I do love alcohol, but I can tell you right now, alcohol makes people violent. It makes people careless. It makes people it it, it uh, limits their inhibitions. Uh, all the alcohol related uh, suicide or suicides, homicides, traffic accidents. I mean, it that is just like no competition. How much worse alcohol is than marijuana? Yet marijuana is still. Illegal in a lot of states, and I, I just. What I do you think that. about the the idea of just making all drugs legal? Well, I don't really like the idea that you can just go to a Walgreens and buy heroin. You know. Um, oh yeah. So that's a little. I mean, even if there is like an age limit on it, it's like mm, there. 
I mean, that would say that would be like saying let's make like o- like oxycontin and you know morphine. You know, let's make all that legal too. To well, there you probably can just... would be limits to things. You know, they would probably limit things. It would probably do this and that, or you know, it would just be a case of you can possess it and you could smoke it. You could do it in like a specified location or something. If you get caught with it while mm-hmm. you're, uh, you know, in public or whatever. As as long as, you know, it's not like a crazy, absurd amount, then maybe, you know, you'd be fine. Like, you're no longer going to throw people in jail for years for, like, trace amounts of something. You know, that kind I of I like thing. the idea of decriminalizing it to where, like, yes. you get a fine if you get caught yeah. with it, but you don't get thrown in prison. Yeah, I like that. But making it yeah, legal, I, like I don't, I think that's a... Well, I mean, it, the, the, the reason why I brought that up is, you know, the whole prohibition thing. Because that's technically what's still going on with drugs. <clears throat> Yeah, it's like the the war against drugs is just prohibition all over again, and it's not working. No, uh, no, it's not at all. There's a, there's a lot of cartels and a lot of other places that have rose to power because of the of you know the war on drugs, and I I think the reason why you know we're we're not decriminalizing drugs uh, as a whole uh, is because I think there are large portions of the, our police department across the United States. And the DEA and wherever else that are actually bought and paid for by these cartels, so they are making money on the side by working with these cartels while the while the drugs are illegal and there's a demand for them. I don't think the demand would be nearly as high if if you know they were legal, right? And then the power of these cartels would be you know drastically altered well sir you have taken us on a wild ass goose chase from bugsy siegel are you are you are are you avoiding him that much no he hey hey he formed a partnership with uh, meyer lansky uh who was the head of an organized crime syndicate that sold liquor during the prohibition you know he worked with all these people who were a big part of you know of uh, prostitution and and all these other things and you know the alcohol you know business at the time and that's a big part of how he you know rose to power is because he was a part of this prohibition sort of thing so maybe the mob in a lot of ways is kind of the pre-cartel any fucking hoozles um murder prior in the early 1940s they teamed up with lucky luciano when they decided to expand their territory, they sent Bugsy to California to take control of gambling. While there, he faced a major problem, Jack Dragna. That's like a really badass name. That's like an yeah. cool old school gangster name, Jack Dragna. Mm-hmm. Uh, he controlled... A- Although it's really close to Dragnet. Well, whatever. <laughs> uh, Dragnet's a cool name, too. I always liked the name of that for a show. Um, Jack Dragna controlled a lucrative wire business used by bookies across the country. He threatened to kill Jack if he didn't give up his wire business. Jack agreed to give it up. Uh, that this is, you know, Jack becomes one of the people now who now has a motive to kill Bugsy. Mm-hmm. Um, while in Los Angeles, Bugsy began a relationship with alleged mob cash courier Virginia Hill. He also hired Cleveland gangster Mickey Cohen as his personal bodyguard. And in the uh, segment, they're like, Mickey was the only one who stood up to Bugsy. And instead of Bugsy killing him, he hired he put him on his payroll. Like they they were yeah, that was funny yeah, how they worded yeah. that like that. <laughs> so when casinos began appearing in Las Vegas, Bugsy decided to 
opened his own, the Flamingo. Lansky and Luciano helped finance the casino, giving him $1 million. However, Bugsy used all this money and more trying to build the casino because one, according to the segment, one million turned into two million, two million turned into four, four to eight, or four to six or whatever. And um, so that that did not sit very well with um, Lansky and Luciano. He also allegedly started skimming on the profits and he was the victim of a hit on his life on June 20th, 1947 shot to death at his girlfriend's home in Beverly Hills. Um, People were suspecting that Bugsy was skimming some of this money that was being given to him and giving it to um, Virginia Hill, who was, uh, quote, an expensive playmate. So she apparently had expensive taste. Um, It has long been tradition in history that the order for the... So she was a gold digger. Yeah, whatever you want to call it. Um... (laughs) It's not really a gold digger. Uh, I would say that was more of a like a uh, what you um, sugar daddy. Oh, okay. Yeah, a gold digger is so, she. It, she wanted a sugar a daddy. Gold, okay. A gold digger is someone who's uh, taking advantage of someone who's unaware that. Well, I don't know. She might have done that. Like, she might have taken advantage of him and then ordered the hit. I doubt it. And then took whatever the skim, whatever the profits that were skimmed with her. Anna Nicole Smith was like the perfect example of a, oh, of a yeah, gold digger. Yeah, definitely. With that old fart that she was with who was like 90. Uh, oh, but she was so in love with him. Yeah, fucking give me a break. Um, I used to watch her stupid reality show on yeah? back in the day. Wow. She was hot, man. She was a BBW. Big, beautiful woman. Uh, and she was dumber <laughs> than a sack of bricks. Um, I know she did a... Uh, action movie called skyscraper that's uh pretty atrocious but uh at times it's so bad it's good just because of the whole concept of anna nicole smith in an action movie and like a diehard ripoff yeah so anyway um it's been long tradition in history that the order for the hit for bugsy came from lansky and luciano the two who lended him money for the flamingo However, since his since his murder, there has been speculation that Bugsy was possibly taken out by other people who wanted him dead. These are the suspects. There were several. There were multiple suspects in Bugsy's murder. One of the suspects was Jack Dragna, who controlled a lucrative wire business used by bookies across the country, which I just said. Bugsy threatened to kill him if he did not give up his business. Dragna agreed to give it up, although this gave him a motive to kill Bugsy. After Bugsy died, Dragna got his wire service back. Another suspect was his girlfriend, Virginia Hill, who was also an alleged cash courier for the mob. She was apparently living a double life, working also for the Chicago mob. She fed them information on Bugsy's activities. Uh, Interestingly, she was out of town the night that Bugsy was killed in her home. Cleveland gangster Mickey Cohen was yet another suspect. Bugsy liked him because he stood up to him. As a result, Bugsy hired him as his personal bodyguard. After the murder, Cohen was given control of West Coast gambling. He would have never gotten that promotion if Bugsy was still alive. Meyer Lansky and Lucky Luciano were also considered suspects. They were concerned about Bugsy's spending, and I already went through that. Some suspects that all of the suspects... Some suspect that all of the suspects were involved in the murder. Well, I mean, uh, here's the thing about, you know, a little bit more about Lansky and Luciano. They suspected that he was also spending the money on his girlfriend, Virginia, just 20 minutes after the murder. 
the two members of the Lansky Luciano mob took control of the Flamingo Casino. Like just twenty minutes after he was dead. Yeah. Yeah, so it was basically like all the pieces probably worked together in some way for this to happen. Yes. Um yeah, so they believe that Virginia supplied the location and received some reward, which was her house, uh, that he was at with the location. Mm-hmm. Cohen knew Bugsy's schedule, his bodyguard. He knew his schedule for the evening, but he happened to not be watching him that night. They believe that Dragna ordered the hit with the approval of Lansky and Luciano because they were wanting to take him out anyway. So yeah, let, let yep. Dragna handle it. However, this theory has not been confirmed. All of the known suspects are now deceased. Uh, in 2014, a new suspect emerged in the case, a Slavic truck driver and crane operator named Matthew Moose Panzda. Panz, Pan, Panzda. That, how do you say that? P-A-N-D-Z-A. Panzda. Panzda. Yeah, Panzda. Panzda. Was the lover of B. Sedway, the wife of Siegel's best friend and mob partner, Mo Sedway. Shortly before his death in July of 2014, Sedway's son Robbie came forward with information about the case. In 1947, Bugsy threatened to have Mo killed. When B learned of this, she arranged to have her lover, Moose, kill Bugsy to protect her husband. Some of this information was corroborated by interviews with Sedway's family members in a filmed interview with B from 1993. However, investigators have not confirmed this theory. They still consider the murder an open case. Well, what did he fucking do? Yeah. Um, This is one of those cases where the end result is uh, that this is going to forever remain an unsolved mystery. Because of, like, the police uh, officer or detective that was interviewed here, he was talking about, you know, there's a wall of silence in the mob. Nobody's going to talk. You know... Some of the people at the time of this uh, segment were already dead. So, you know, you just got the sense from the guy that was interviewed. He was just like, all right, okay, all right, I'll talk about the Bugsy Siegel case. Uh, You know, it's still open technically, but, you know, you got the mob and nobody wants to talk. Most people are dead uh, until somebody comes forward then we don't have much of a case and we don't really have a a chance of solving this case. So, um, I bet like if you work at the Beverly Hills police department, you're probably like, you you probably get tired of, you know, the Bugsy Siegel case or, you know, people asking if Eddie Murphy, you know, shot in your police station or something for Beverly Hills cop. (laughs) Um, but, uh, it, it, the, What's more interesting to me is not the death of Bugsy Siegel and how he died. It, it's it's more about, uh, you know, his rise to power. So it just makes me curious about that movie that Warren Beatty did. See if it's any good or not. Called Bugsy. Yeah. Um... And when they were talking about the casinos, it just reminded me of that movie Casino. And that movie's great, so... Makes me want to watch that again. The, the the guy that I really loved in in the the um the segment was the wacky ass uh, mob expert. Yeah, that yeah. guy that guy looked like uh, uh, Andy Kaufman's alternate ego, uh, Tony Clifton. <laughs> yes. That dude literally looked like Tony. Is like, but he's 
He looked just like like your stereotypical old mob guy. He's got these like purple tinted sunglasses. Yeah. And this yeah. like this, you know, tweed suit and this, uh-huh. you know, just had this kind of like Irish Italian look to him. And he's like, um, he was like, Luciano did the talking and Bugsy he did the whacking. Yeah, yeah, I love that part. <laughs> <laughs> like I love how he's like still using like mob lingo. Oh wow, man! Yeah. You just added to your credibility just then because you actually used a term that everyone knows. I did the whacking. <laughs> I remember this stupid Larry the Cable Guy joke, but it, it it's just it's stuck and it's so stupid. It's funny. He's like, the joke was, if you get whacked in the gay mafia, is that a good thing? God. I know it's stupid. Wow. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. So that was that case. Um, do you want to? Do we want to go to the Josh Flower Diaries now? Yeah. All right. Let's go. All right. Let's go back. Back in time. Let's do the little time machine thing. <laughs> Sorry. That- let's do the time warp again. <laughs> that song got stuck in my head one time, and it almost drove me crazy. Because it was literally just that part over and over again. Let's do the time warp again. Let's do the time warp again. And it was just anyway. That was when my OCD was at its peak. Um, yeah, just driving you up the wall. Yes. Uh, so basically, the uh, perks of being a Josh Flower is a series on the podcast that we do where I go through and I read my teenage diaries. I've recently found the archive of them off of uh, Zanga.com. I had saved them to my computer many years ago, and I just found the files and found a way to read them. So many of you out there have been enjoying how stupid, pathetic, and losery uh, Josh of 17 years ago was. Um, Just as a disclaimer, I do use some offensive language that was common in 2005 and now is very offensive and, um, you know, not politically correct. So just know that. Uh, and I don't condone it, but when I was a teenager, I didn't give a shit what people uh, thought about any of that. So um, that's just one of my many uh, narcissistic traits I had back then. So we are we left off at Saturday, March 12th, 2005. Now we resume Sunday, March 13th, 2005. Okay, some of you don't understand something. This page is for me to express my feelings at the time that I feel them and my thoughts. Okay. Well, if something sounds bad to you or obsessive or rude, that is what I was thinking slash feeling at the time, and this page is not for your entertainment, so you don't have to read it. But don't be putting negative bullshit on here because I don't need that shit. This isn't what my page is about. This is for my thoughts and feelings to be expressed in words, and you fuckers don't tarnish it by putting negative shit. Thanks. (laughs) Wow, okay. I, uh, I guess uh, I guess people have been commenting. Um... So, all right. So that was that one. A lot of people commented on this last. On this, they commented post. on the one where you're like, "Don't post your negative bullshit on my page, no, you motherfuckers." I think they. I think they commented on this next post I'm about to read. All right. So this is Saturday, March nineteenth, two thousand and five. Hey, it's me again. Well, last night I went to Walmart where I called. Where I, where I, my, where my lover called me on my cell phone. My lover, of course, being Casey. If you don't know by now, she was my uh, crush, uh, my middle school crush. That whose mom made us break up. Uh, I got to talk to her for like ever. I was so happy. I still am. But today, 
I'm supposed to go to a concert tonight and see the, gr the group Josh Delacruz is drumming for, Our Finest Hour. Most of the guys in that band are serious dicks. <laughs> they, <laughs> they don't like me for some reason or another. I think they think I was the one who blew one of the bass amps. Yeah, but fuck them. They are gay. The only reason I am going is so I can go over to Josh's house after the show and spend the night. I hope I have fun. I hope it's not lame. I should have fun. It's a change of pace from staying here at my house. My mom came home from the cruise she was on. My dad's becoming not so crazy. My grandma is at home now and getting better. My panic attacks have stopped. I get to talk to Casey every now and then. Damn, for now, things are starting to look up in my life. It's about time. Well, I see, I'll see you. So this band, Our Finest Hour that I just mentioned, um, they were a group that actually had a fucking local draw like I have never seen before. When they would play, it was like the first and only time I've seen people literally lined around the block to see a band play in Jacksonville. They were really good. Like, it's a shame that you can't find their music really anywhere. You might be able to find it on YouTube, but... Um, yeah, man, it was, um, they were good. So, all right, cool. Not a lot of drama going on in that one. Uh, my next entry is from Sunday, March 20th, 2005. Hey, today was okay. I was at Josh's house last night. I went to the show. I was wearing my members only jacket. And I was amongst a bunch of hardcore kids. Oh, yeah, I think I fit in pretty good. So I. <laughs> With your members only yeah, jacket. Yeah. So. <laughs> that was me, man, being all edgy, trying to. I don't care about what you kids are wearing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wear my own lame bullshit because I stand out. <laughs> I was like fat, like really fat on top of all that. So there was basically like this fat kid in this members only jacket. I probably. Oh, I, my God. I probably made it look like a poncho at that point. <laughs> I probably looked like a uh, fucking Newman in Jurassic Park when he had that yeah, yellow. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I go on. So I see this girl there and she's like wearing these devil horns. And I was like, OK, that's weird. And then she comes up to me and starts talking to me. And I was like, oh, God, she was just an acquaintance. I like my girl. So oh, so much better. I guess in my mind, I mean, what girl? Me and Casey were still <laughs> together. I ended up letting her borrow like two bucks, so I guess I got quote-unquote played. So I go home after the show, and we go to bed pretty quickly. I was so freaking tired. Then today I woke up... Man, I literally thought I was going to go somewhere with that story about like what, what that girl did or was going to do, but I guess that went nowhere. Um, then I woke up today and ate donuts. Then we played some music, and me and Josh have good musical chemistry. We need to be in a band together. We were damn bastards okay so then i was going home and there was a huge accident and as we drove by the crash site i saw a dead body oh my god it was so disturbing i felt so bad i wanted to cry but i don't have the ability to cry but man that disturbed me i have never seen that shit before and i didn't want to start it reminded me of my own mortality someday i'm gonna die it just doesn't seem real to me now i guess okay well my lover is on the phone right now and she's expecting me to talk to her which I will, so I will talk to you later, gay Zanga. Bye, bitches. <laughs> I remember seeing that dead body. It was pretty disturbing. Wow. I mean, it wasn't like... they were. It was before they covered it with the blanket on the side of the road. Um, okay. And it wasn't like that gruesome, but... Um, so you have seen a dead body. Did I say I haven't? 
Oh yeah, yeah I, I did. Think I remember. Yeah, I yeah. did say that. Um, I can see why you wanted to block that memory, you know, out of your head. Yeah, I guess. I guess I did totally like block that out of my head. <laughs> um. Okay. March twenty first. Monday, March twenty first, two thousand and five. Am I a bad person because I don't like fucking emo and hardcore? I think I am. Why is pussy, talentless rock or emo the new type of fucking rock? I remember when rock was fucking rock, like Korn and Rammstein and Limp Bizkit and Nine Inch Nails was kicking it. Man, that shit was sick. Now we got this gay, mature type shit, and it's so annoying. And when I say I hate these certain groups, people will be like, dude, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, isn't it obvious? This music is so gay. It's a fucking boy band revival. These guys are singing like they have vaginas, and the pussy teens of America are eating this shit up. Why? What the fuck is so great about whiny vocals, melancholy guitars, the bassist playing the same shit as a guitar player, and the drummer using a fucking four-piece kit instead of a 16-piece kit? Oh my god, I was I had so drank in the Kool-Aid of Rush at this point. Wow. Uh, what is so great about that music? What am I not getting? I don't get what it! What music are you talking about again? Emo and hardcore. Because that was okay. that was like right when My Chemical Romance and The Used and Fall Out uh, Boy, that's right okay. when those bands yeah. were starting to become big. Bands that are considered legendary now, by the way, like the, these bands are like legends. Because it like this was the time period where kids like me were teenagers and this was the music of our time. And even though I still don't like the music, I, I mean, I would never rant about it like I do on here, Jesus Christ. But even though I still don't like the music, like, at least it was rock of some kind, you know? Even if it wasn't, like, like my favorite thing in the world, at least it had, like, guitars and shit. Now everything's literally just, like, trap and rap. Um, but Except for, you know, rare, you know... The rare, ex- yeah. You, you know, get the- exceptions to the rule, like, Ghost and stuff like that. Right, but those bands aren't nearly as big as a lot of these rappers. I mean, no. I'm reading and rolling. Ghost at one point was doing pretty good, but I don't think their latest album did as well. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame because uh, I actually like Ghost. I mean, I don't love Ghost, but I like them. Um, so back to my ranting about emo and hardcore. What am I not getting? I don't get it, and it pisses me off because my best friend loves the shit, and I hate it. That proves for some very interesting conversations sometimes. And girls, oh my god, girls love emo. Girls, honestly, no offense. Scene girls, right? (laughs) Yeah, scene girls. Girls, honestly, no offense, most of you don't know a damn thing about music. You could care less about the effort and creativity of an artist or a group. But if they have good lyrics, then you're sold on that one group. Oh yeah, if the lead singer's hot, then it doesn't even matter if the lyrics are worth a shit. I don't get society today. I'm like an old crotchety man stuck in the 80s and 90s wearing a members-only jacket listening to all the old Rush albums. But someone please try to explain my question. I would really like to know an answer. Well, at least at the end, I got a little self-aware, you know? Yeah. And admitted that I was at a crotchety... Dude, I was <laughs> I was 16 years old writing this shit. Like, how... How is a 16-year-old that damn, like, bitter? I was so bitter and salty towards society as a whole like yeah good lord um i mean yeah i I don't like that music and and it was crazy because i literally remember being in middle school when that music became like the it music 
and I hated it so much. And like, it was so trendy because like literally every every like white person I knew who was a teenager liked it. And I felt like there was nobody. OK, like like I'm sure like some of our listeners, like if you went to middle school in the in the early to mid 90s, I'm sure everybody was listening to like the Smashing Pumpkins and Pearl Jam and shit. And that would have been a great time to be alive because I, I actually like those bands. So I would have been like, hell yeah, I have all these people that have this common interest. Like, this is great. But I was born like 10 years too soon, I guess. Like, I guess I should have been born in the late 70s. So by the time I was a teenager, I would have, um, it would have been the early 90s. But yeah, anyway, um, that was that was an interesting rant that I don't remember making. <laughs> but I stand behind everything. I mean, you know, as far as calling them gay and all that, that's really, that's, you know, that that was me being ignorant. But um, I, I do agree with, you know, how it's, you know, how I don't like the music. I am not. I, I even take back the whole talentless. They had some kind of talent. I mean, they're not. There is just a different style of music that I didn't like, but I didn't have the. Mat- it's like how I feel about death, you know, death metal or some of these other metal songs right. where they're like throat singing and stuff, you know, singing with like their throat and just like screaming and shit. I'm not really a fan of screamo or any of that. You know, I understand it. It takes talent to be able to do those vocals and. I do appreciate some of the instrumentals and some of the guitar work and some of the setups of those songs. It's just, I can't stand the vocals. It's just not my thing. It just is like nails on a chalkboard for me. Right. It all sounds like uh, Christopher Nolan's Batman, you know, if he had a metal band. (laughs) Yeah. That's really what it all sounds like to me. Just, you know, where is he? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I, the Batman I, of Gotham City. I just didn't have the uh, maturity to just be like, hey, man, different people like different music or like, hey, some of it's all right. No, no, I was scorched earth. Like, fuck all of it. it well, but, I mean, that's how teenagers yeah, I mean, are, though. Teenagers, they take like one just linear direction on something and there is no room for nuance. It's just like that's how I initially was with, you know, screamo you know you know metal or whatever it all sucks they're all a bunch of talented ha- talentless hacks you know they're just fucking yelling into a mic you know that kind of thing i will say with um, a lot of that screaming music though a lot of those motherfuckers do scream kind of the exact same way and i'm just yeah. like what differentiates this blah 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 from this blah 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 you know it's <laughs> yeah it's like what what makes it you know because singers your voice sounds different but a yeah. lot of these screamers, they they sound exactly the same. Like, like I'd take a band like Slipknot. Like Corey Taylor has a very distinctive scream that you know it's like yeah. Slipknot. Uh, this band Mudvayne that that was big for yeah. their little. I while. mean, for example, Disturbed. They're better when they don't have like a bridge where they're just like doing the screamo thing. Like like Disturbed is way better when they're just like singing. Yeah, he's, know, their, he's got their, a great voice. I mean, I, yeah. I'm not I'm not a huge fan of Disturbed, but I can't, you know, David Draymond or whatever his name is. I can't yeah. I can't deny his vocal ability. All right. This is the last Josh Flower Diary. And then we can wrap this one up. This will be a shorter one this week, which is fine. Uh, they don't all have to be five hours long. This is from Wednesday, <laughs> March 23rd, 2005. <clears throat> I hate it. I've said it two million times. I'm so fucking sick and tired of staying at my fucking house. It's so annoying. there's a lot of exclamation points there here i have all these days of vacation and i can't even fucking do anything how gay is that shit 
I did more when I was off vacation than now. This is sick. Fuck! I can't fucking wait till you can drive. Shit. Yeah, I'm definitely getting a job over this summer. There's no doubt about that. Switching notes here. Yeah, I was on the phone with Casey last night, and all of a sudden, the fucking phone went click. So I was like, okay, whatever. This shit happens a lot with her. She accidentally hits the end button or something. But she never called back. Okay, so then I'm just sitting there, and the phone rings. No one answers, but I can hear fucking Brandon in the background. Uh, (laughs) Brandon was her bitch-ass little brother. Yeah. But then I hang up, kind of being scared, and he calls back and goes, hello, who is this? And I'm like, who is this? And he's like, who is this? And I'm like, well, who is this? And Casey grabs the phone and says, hey, Sean, is Rachel there? And I'm thinking to myself, what the fuck is she doing? Is this even Casey? Could it have been just so happened that there was a person calling uh, me right now when Casey hung up that I just got confused with Brandon or Casey trying to make a serious cover up, blah, blah, blah. So I tell her, I think you've got the wrong number. So I hang up. And now I'm in fucking limbo about what the fuck happened last night. Oh, God, I bet she's going to have hell to pay from her parents. And her parents are probably going to take her out of school so I can shit so I can shit on seeing her ever again. That was a weird way to say fuck. Uh, <laughs> I can shit on seeing her. <laughs> yeah, I can shit on seeing her ever again. OK, sounds like some kind of weird fetish I had towards her there. Uh <laughs> Why does this little dickhead brother of hers have to ruin everything for us? Does he hate me that bad to where he just has to go out of his fucking way to fuck shit up for me in my life? Why would one person want to do something like that? What would he have to gain by fucking her sister over so badly? Because he's an asshole. (laughs) Admiration from his fat ass mom? Because that's about the only thing that happens when he tells on her. The mom pushes her severely and he gets punishes her severely and he gets praised i don't fucking know what that family is full of uh i don't know that family is full of a bunch of whack jobs anyway i should have listened to others when they said that before we ever even went out so now i know people don't just say shit for their health i guess they really didn't want me to get hurt and well i am hurt so good job josh for listening to uh, to others on another note i had a dream about my cousin steven i dreamed he fell off a dock and got paralyzed from the neck down so Ooh. from then on, his life really sucked, and he got so and he was so pissed off in my dream, and all he could do was sit and watch TV. It made me more appreciative of myself when I woke up this morning. It is, it's almost like God telling me to stop worrying about stuff over spring break and just enjoy it, because I'm trying to enjoy it, but there's nothing to do at my house. I mean, I've done everything, shit. In the past three days, I've masturbated probably like 15 times. <laughs> 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 I mean, come on, this is pathetic. Well, this was an unusually long post. If you've read the whole thing, you must really like me because I wouldn't dare read someone else's post that is this long. Well, poop and scoop. I guess I'm going to go. Y'all pray. (laughs) I don't know, man. Y'all pray for me, please. Pray for Casey and her parents. And if you're an atheist, well, just please deny that Casey's parents ever existed. And if you're a Mormon, then try to sell Casey's parents some books about how to go to heaven while Casey sneaks out of the back door and makes out with me. And if you're Jewish, well, then cut Brandon's head off because he's a major dickhead. Well, wow. <laughs> oh, that was kind of clever. If you're Jewish, cut Brandon's di- head off because he's a dickhead because, you know, they circumcise the foreskin. Yeah. That was yeah. that was clever. I- I'll admit, that was a clever line. Well, that's it. I guess I'll talk to you later. And remember, only a Mr. Bungle would put a bitchy 
post. I don't know what that even means. <laughs> what the fuck? So, yeah, more Brandon and Casey drama from that one. Um, yeah, there's comments on here. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, she, she was clearly trying to, like, cover it up for me and, like, save my ass by going, like, hey, this is, uh, is, is Rachel there or, or this is Rachel, is Sean there or something? Uh, she was trying to cover my ass, but I was too stupid, I guess, at that time to just go with the flow. And I was like, oh, what do you mean? But yeah, I, man, God, that just like brings me back. I remember talking to her at night and she'd be in her room and she'd have to like talk super quiet. And, um, you know, pr- then out of nowhere, you just hear this little boy voice in back going, be like, who are you talking to? Who's is that Josh Cannon? Give me the phone. And you're like, Brandon, no, go away, go away. And then like, then like you'd hear like the, some rustling around and you just hear this voice like, is this Josh Cannon? And I would just hang up, and he would, you know, obviously he would know it was me by doing that. Sounds like you had your own, like, Biff Tannen over here. <laughs> Brandon Tannen, you know. He was small, though, dude. All I kinds could, of like, shit. he was so fucking tiny. Like, and he still, like, he still is. Like, I, I like, creeped his fucking profile recently, and... Speaker, hello, McFly. <laughs> like, he's, like, shorter than me. He's, like, like now he's, like, all... I don't, I don't know, man. Like, there... He was such a little bitch. But anyway, yeah, that was that was my life um, back when I was 16. Everything was gay, um, including myself to a certain degree. Uh, but I never I don't think I ever mentioned that in my Zanga diaries because that was just too that was too real for me to even admit to myself back then that I had uh, uh, these kind of weird bisexual, bicurious leanings when uh-huh. I was in middle school because. But you, but you still admit some of them in in your uh, diary, <laughs> Zanga. Um, I don't think I ever admitted that. Well, you did that whole thing, like the whole masturbating. Oh, that. To, oh, you know, oh, girls don't get me hard anymore. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I said that, but I didn't say guys did. I was like, girls no, don't. But, I just kind of left it but, at that. But, but, you know. I mean, yeah. I mean, you could kind of surmise <laughs> that that's where I was going with that. I don't know what, I don't, dude. I. The, the, you know, it, these are 17 years old now, so I don't mind reading them. But like, Jesus yeah. Christ, man, this just shows you the paradigm shift that has happened in our society and culture over the last 15 years. Because the stuff that people would just readily share, they wouldn't, they, you wouldn't think about, I wouldn't th- post any of that shit. Are you kidding me? If I posted any of that stuff about, how, oh, emo bands are so gay and they're talentless hacks and they suck. I wouldn't put if you posted any of that you now. Get trolled, you would get trolled to oblivion. Yeah, I mean, trolled. You'd get people like like being like, "What the fuck? Like you're a homophobe and you're yeah. you're uh you know ha- you're a hater and you know blah mm-hmm. blah blah." You'd get canceled in a second for saying anything like that or talking about how many times I masturbate. Yeah, I don't know that that that, that it, you know. That, but that was that was so okay. So like. <laughs> Back in the day, like when my, and by the way, I was writing on the Zanga before MySpace ever even existed. So in, in 2005, I think MySpace was in its early stages, but I didn't even have one at that point. Like, so this was like pre fucking MySpace. No, no adult had a Zanga. No adult had a live journal. Not many adults had a MySpace. When adults and parents started making Facebook accounts, 
it, it that's when shit started getting weird. It was like, oh man, this is getting kind of weird that parents are joining the party. And then like employers started making Facebook profiles and uh, now bosses are adding employees on their personal Facebook and uh-huh. you start to find out shit about people that you may uh, that you, you may not want to know or that might yeah. change your opinion of them in a negative way. You know, what if like a hardcore li- my former boss is Facebook friends with me, I'm, you know, because, um, you know want to keep in contact type thing what if i miss what her, if a hardcore I uh, this day yeah i i'm i mean i'm friends with my old boss but like um you know some some of the um even as a wedding dj some of the venue coordinators will yeah. will like me i'll give them my business card and they'll add me on facebook and i accept because i'm like all right and then i guess i like forget that i'm friends with them and you know i'll usually my post nine times out of ten i'm just promoting my band or something or just posting something a funny observation but every now and then i'll make like you know that that hot take or i'll say something that's edgy or whatever and i know for a fact that i've lost uh i've probably lost people who would have normally recommended me as a, as their dj because i posted something um controversial or whatever uh-huh. that they deemed offensive and like oh we don't yeah. we don't want to stand behind this guy and promote him to uh, our clients you know so it's like a new world i mean it's actually not even that new this has been a thing for a while now everyone knows you don't post certain things now but back during those times during when i would make those zanga entries there was all that shit was completely unheard of of adults having this kind of stuff it was it was a young person's game it was a teenage thing it was it was like literally just a whole sea of fellow teenagers um Nobody in power was going to see them. There was never any risk of that, I guess, unless you were suicidal and someone, you know, called the cops and said that this person just wrote something suicidal. But, you know, besides that, you know, I never I mean, I never (laughs) I never really I never did that in earnest. But there was that one. Well, that got dark. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. I'm just I'm just trying to say that it's just kind of funny how uh, social media has changed so much over the years. Anyway, that's the end of the podcast, guys. If you want to connect with us and stay connected, uh, join our Facebook group, which is Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. Go to Facebook, go to the search bar, type that in, go to the group section. You're pretty smart people. I'm, I'm sure you'll be able to find it. Um, if you want to subscribe to us on Patreon for just $3 a month, you can get the podcast early. Uh, for $5 a month, you can tell us what case you want us to talk about. Last week, uh, Lavina Johnson was a case that was uh, covered because it was one of our Patreon suggestions. Um, So there you go. And for $1, you get a firm digital smack on the ass from me and a wink, whether you're a guy or a girl. So, you know, just consider that. And if you want more of me and Mike, but like we're just too homogenized for you right now, we're just, you you want to break us apart into our own unique elements. You can find us on our separate YouTube accounts. Mike's YouTube channel is youtube.com slash OCP communications. He's the movie guy. He watches the movies, uh, the moving pictures, the Nickelodeons, what have you. Mike, what was the last video you did? So I actually been doing a lot of stuff lately because I've just been uh, having the time to uh, upload more content. So I have a smorgasbord of stuff. Uh, I reviewed the movie Becky. 
with Kevin James playing uh, a white supremacist, uh, serious role as as a villain. Really? Uh, yep. When did this come out? 2020. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Kevin James, the fat goofball guy? Yeah. How was, How did he do? Uh, I thought he was all right. I think once he, the, when he had more than a few lines of dialogue, he didn't really pull it off. But he was just trying to be, you know, a physical presence. He did a decent job. Just one of those things where I think he just needs more experience in this kind of role uh, to really nail it. Uh, I reviewed Darkman uh, because I'm doing the Darkman films. So uh, Darkman, Darkman 2. I talked a little bit about uh, the Craft Legacy trailer. That's the, uh, the new re- remake of the Craft. Yeah, well, they call it a sequel, but the only thing that connects it to the original or, or the first film is a Polaroid of Faruza uh, uh, Balk's uh, character from the movie. You know, you so, know, it'd be like hilarious. Is um, it'd be like a funny meme. Is if you were if you were like, I'm outraged that they're remaking the craft with all women this time around. I want the original. <laughs> Nah, it, that people. It would just yeah. it would just be funny because it would be like uh like a play off the whole Ghostbusters thing. Like yeah. I refuse to see the craft because uh, the new cast is all female. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but it looks horrible. Like the craft legacy, uh, they got Snapchat filters in the trailer, Ooh. like sparkles and shit. Oh no, that way to make your movie dated as fuck already. Good job. Yeah. Uh, there's a gender swap, uh, slasher movie with Vince Vaughn and Catherine Newton. It's called, uh, Freaky. That looks, uh, interesting. Looks like it might be fun. <clears throat> Completely, uh, unique kind of concept in terms of the blend of two different genres where this serial killer somehow swaps bodies with this teenage girl. Um, then there is, uh, Dune. Uh, Denis Villanueva's uh, adaptation of Dune. Are you like um, saying videos you've done, or are you just literally naming movies that are out now? No, I'm, this is a part of a video that that I did. It's called Talking oh, Cinema, right, where I right, talked right. about craft, legacy, trailer, Dune, which is almost, which is so pretty much so the fun. length of one of our podcasts, right? Actually, that one is actually only thirty five minutes. That 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 particular part. Mm. Um. So yeah, that's pretty much what I've been doing. Oh, I also talked about in that video my thoughts on uh, the rumor that Bill and Ted, uh, not Bill and Ted, uh, the Beavis and Butthead show, the new series is going to be centered around Beavis and Butthead as dads, and it's going to be like Gen X versus Gen Y or Gen Z or whatever, and I'm like, I don't... That doesn't, <laughs> don't, that just, I, I, that doesn't work. That's not that, like no. that doesn't work no. in the Beavis and Butthead universe. How those characters were written, that it's like it's like a computer program almost. Like they're the yeah. things that they do are so predictable but funny. Um, yeah, and them actually that kills one of the the biggest <sighs> memes in the show. You know, here lies Beavis. He never scored. Yeah, you know that whole sort of thing. Yeah, like. Like, they don't know how to get laid. No woman would ever, like, deal with them. Like, the the thought that they knocked up a woman 
and settle down, settle down and live in a house. And <laughs> I mean, it's like, I guess you could make the argument that like there are equally as dumb women out there that might be, you know, attracted to uh, a Beavis or a Butthead character um, for whatever reason. And I mean, they both did hold down jobs at Burger World, you know, at one point. Barely. I mean, mean. barely. (laughs) (laughs) Then they were deep frying like the fucking telephone. And I mean, they did the whole thing where they're at the drive through and they're like, the guy pulls up and they're like, go away. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're closed. (laughs) All, All the fucking segments where they're at Burger World are some of the best. Like a fucking yeah. love, uh, just <laughs> because who doesn't want who doesn't want to just work at a job like that and have that level of fuck yeah. you to the customer? Yeah. I mean, I love that. Yeah. Like, you know, just the whole like, just go away. <laughs> uh, my my yeah, my leave. burger didn't have any ketchup on it. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, well, I want to speak to your manager. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> well, are you just gonna stand there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, I don't know. I, I just fucking love their, them at Burger World. Yeah, I mean, Mike Judge is back, uh, and, you know, he seems to be, you know, enthusiastic about it. I think it was his Twitter or one of his social media accounts that announced this whole thing where they're dads. But I just... Has it ever worked, it, though, like, in anything, like, where they do something where... Well, I don't think it worked in Bill and Ted. I don't think it worked with Bill and Ted Face the Music, regardless of what a lot of critics say have been saying about it, you know. One of my good friends uh, from high school made a post today, and I just... I even commented... I didn't mention you, but I said my co-host on the podcast... Because my friend goes, I, di- I never knew a Bill and Ted movie could make me cry. And I, I was like, Dude. I was like, are you talking about the new Bill and Ted? Because my co-host saw it and he like absolutely hated that movie. <laughs> and um, my friend responded yeah, back that like, yeah, it was the new movie. He said, well, I, I guess it's not for everyone, but blah, blah, blah. But so I Mike, I think you're the only one who doesn't like it. If you're saying like the critics are giving it good reviews and everything. Well, I know I got. Another friend of mine doesn't like it, and there's a few other things that I've seen on a Facebook group that I'm a part of for DVD and Blu-ray collectors. There are other people that were like, yeah, that sucked. So I'm not entirely alone on that, but it seems like more people really, really like it, and that's cool. That's fine. I think part of it is because of the time frame we're in right now, that this dumb, goofy movie with a wholesome message is getting more praise than it might necessarily have gotten if it was released at any other time. Um, well, that was like like last night when I was doing my karaoke gig, because um, I got this new karaoke gig on Wednesday now. Um, at midnight, I said, you know, and the room was pretty full, because, you know, people want to start going the fuck back out in Florida. And yeah. We've reopened a lot more than a lot of states have. Yeah. And at midnight, it officially became October 1st. And I said, guess what, everyone? It's officially October 1st. I, I cut right into Thriller by Michael Jackson after that. Uh-huh. And everyone just lost their shit. Everyone was dancing. Everyone was like, there was just this release. You could feel yeah. the release of just, mm-hmm. you know, months and months of like depression, boredom, you know, like uh, loss, uh, you know, just people yeah. need overall like therapy for the soul after all this yeah. shit, man. 2020 has literally been a wash. But for, yeah, but yeah I mean, but for me with therapy for the soul, if you want to, you know, you know, go with Bill and Ted for that. I'll just watch the first two films. Yeah. Why do I need to watch a crappy sequel 
that doesn't do any of those things nearly as well as the first two. Um, I, don't, I don't have any interest in seeing it. Quite but yeah, but with the Beavis and Butthead show, like the last time Beavis and Butthead came back, it actually was surprisingly fun and good. So that's why, you know, I was looking forward to it. But if this is the concept they're going with, like, that's going to suck. I'm sorry. Yeah, it, it, I, like, it's I, just not going to it work. Never, it never does. It, there's, the, uh, remember that show, The Rugrats? They tried to do ru- ru- yeah, all grown, all grown up. up. Yeah. That, that lasted for like a season or two. Like, what if you, it would be like if when Comedy Central brought back Futurama. It would the the focus of the new Futurama was about Leela and Fry's kids, and they're like older, and the you know it's not really necessarily about the main cast anymore. It's about this new cast of characters. You'd be like bullshit. I don't care about that. I don't give a fuck about Beavis and Butthead's kids. <laughs> I know. And the, why should and, I give a fuck and, about? And that's any another of that? thing. And they're like, oh well, it's different. It's a different idea. Why do we have to go with something different? Because like. It's Beavis and Butthead. Like, you don't need to drastically deviate from the formula so much just for the sake of being different. Yeah, like, and and then what What are their kids going to be, like, little mini versions of them? Like, <laughs> yeah, cool, <laughs> you know, like, it, that, that would be lame, you know? It might be funny if their kids turn out to be, like, really smart. That's probably what they're going to try to go with. Like, their kids are going to be, like, uh, you know, like into environmentalism and shit. Right, and, all, they're going to be all woke. Yeah. And they're going to be like, uh, Dad, you are being very misogynist, misogynistic towards Mom right now. Shut up, son. Go to your room. I'm going to beat your <laughs> ass. Um, yeah, that's weird. I don't like that. But anyway, that's Mike's YouTube channel. It's just a weird dynamic. It's just a really weird dynamic. If you want to go to my YouTube channel and see what videos I do, you can go to youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. You talked about REM, right? Yes, the last video I did that Mike spoiled just now was uh, I did a tier ranking of all the REM band albums. So from A to F. You know, or S to D or whatever. I don't know what the fuck S is. I mean, I guess that's a Japanese thing. But um, basically, S is the best and D is the lowest. Um, spoiler alert, none of their albums made the D tier. Honestly, REM is one of those bands that has wow. like like such a consistent output that it's hard for me to really say that any one album they did was absolutely awful. I mean, they never really had that. Um, in fact, most of their albums are in the S tier. Their output was just really good. What can you, you know, what can you say? I mean, if they're not your kind of music, that's one thing, but. So it's just 40 minutes of Josh just, uh, you know, having a fangasm over R.E.M. I mean, pretty much, but I, but I do, I do go in depth (laughs) on each album and talk about things that I liked about it. Interesting tidbits, like, like for instance, um, Automatic for the People that came out in 1994, uh, was supposedly the last album that Kurt Cobain listened to when he killed himself. They found that on the Whoa. record player. Um, yeah, so I go over a little kind of, I guess I wouldn't call that a fun fact, more like a fucking dark, depressing fact. Yeah, because a lot of people might be like, Did, you know, of course, you know, some people would be fucking dicks and be like, R.E.M. killed Kurt Cobain, oh, yeah. you know. Yeah. That kind of- well, Kurt, uh, Courtney Love killed Kurt but Cobain, Mike. Everyone knows that. Um. So yeah, anyway, and if you want to check out my band, Dancing with Ghosts, then all you have to do is simply go to Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, 
SoundCloud, Bandcamp, anywhere where you fucking get music, my band, Dancing with Ghosts, will be there. And you should totally check it out because uh, it's good. It's good shit. And we have a new single coming out October 24th called Obsidian Blood. What did you think about the cover for that, Mike? The uh, the cover art? That, that looks pretty cool. Um, I will say it's definitely different. Like, did you... <laughs> Like that, like what is a wolf mask? Right? Yeah, it's a wolf mask. Dog mask. Or I actually something. got that shit from Walmart, and <laughs> I installed a little red LED light yeah, the LED, in, the, yeah. in the eye, and I had this hazer machine that made the room look all smoky and hazy. Um, and then we got the shot that we ended up getting. Are you trying to say anything? You know, with that cover art, or are you? Well, just, the subject, the, cool the subject matter of the song is is so. You don't know if the person is talking about infidelity or if they're talking about literally being a werewolf that kills people. The The lyrics have like a double entendre effect to it. Ah, so that's why the okay. wolf's on the cover. All right. That makes sense. You're going to have just some random fucking wolf guy. On yeah, the because cover. like, is she is she like a wolf? Like, is she like a werewolf or is she just this black or like this uh femme fatale you know because the wolf head is on a female body so it's like you Uh know it's so yeah well hopefully hopefully everyone else didn't think what the fuck is this random wolf head woman i I guess we (laughs) should like explain why that cover is yeah yeah exactly like how how did uh how did that shoot go was it was it it was fun i mean we we i implored a bunch of different techniques to get that shot uh, the chair, I knew I wanted it in front of my window, but the chair was way too short, so we had to uh-huh. we had to build this platform to put the chair on so it would be higher up, so it would look like it was more, you know, the window was more in yeah. frame. And like I said, I used that hazer to create a misty, hazy effect, because that's in the in the picture. That's not an after, yeah. that's not a post-production effect. Um, you know, I built that, I kind of customized the wolf head with that LED light in the eyeball area. Um, I literally had to wire the, the LED to a, a battery because it didn't, you know, it wasn't one of those ready-made ones. So how many takes, you know, did you, you know, how many shots? Is it just a one no, shot? No, we have, uh, shoot, we boom. had about, we took about, I took about uh, 40 or 50 shots to get wow. the one. We had, there's, uh, and we're going to drop them over this period of time here, but. How how comfortable was Stephanie? <laughs> she wasn't very happy, but, it, you know, that's not, that's none of my concern. <laughs> Uh, this hot fucking you know wolf head man hey man yeah, she she was the one who said she felt like she needed to be wearing the wolf head so i was like all right oh okay okay all right that's what you want to do <laughs> it's not really a true dancing with ghost dancing with ghosts um photo shoot or video unless we are inconvenienced and uncomfortable those those two <laughs> factors kind of need to be there for us to for it to really yeah, paint yourself white you know do all oh this yeah stuff. yeah paint yep Paint, like covering ourselves in liquid white liquid makeup um you know wearing a bodysuit that's like skin tight that's like cutting off my breathing uh dressing stephanie up like a witch uh during the middle of like fucking august or september well no it was like august so it was like hot as balls and anyway yeah so uh, check out uh, the band dance with ghosts new single drops october 24th you can all all of us all of our social media is dancing with ghosts um, and yeah, that's the end of the fucking podcast at long last. Oh, look, we're clocking in almost two hours, just like we did last time. We were able to flap our gums, uh, all that way to almost two hours. For me and, me and Mike, uh, we'll talk to you next week or something. Bye. Bye.
See ya.